0: Fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they liked to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I think I am a victim. I truly think that I am a victim. I have been victimized in society. I need to play the victim. You should show me sympathy because I am a victim, because I say that I am a victim. How dare somebody else actually grow during the last year during the pandemic? How dare someone come up with opportunities to work from home or actually adapt their product to have consumers actually want to buy it to make their life more convenient during the last year? because of the pandemic. How dare people become innovative? They try to change their style. They try to do different. How dare they? How dare they? I think I'm a victim. Welcome into The Voice Reason. We've got a lot to get to today. It's going to be a fun one. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. Wherever you may be watching or listening, we thank you very much, a Millennial. General reporting for duty Today, on a pre Friday celebration. Coming up on the broadcast, Gregory Wrightstone, CO2 Coalition, author of the book Inconvenient Facts. Inconvenient, yeah, inconvenient. I keep always getting it mixed up because, you know, Al Gore had his Inconvenient Truth movie. Gregory Wrightstone, being a geologist and actually a scientist, a real scientist, not just a politician that plays a scientist and tells you about Man Bear Pig. Uh, He's actually a real scientist, author of the book Inconvenient Facts, also the head of the CO2 Coalition. We'll have him on the bottom of the hour. As you know, we've had a kind of a race for space right now with millionaires and billionaires trying to get to space, do their own personal space race, which is entertaining and fun to watch. But how is it actually affecting the environment? And for those same people that say they're there to try and stop environmental pollution... They're sending a whole bunch of stuff into the atmosphere by trying to get themselves into space. So I find that ironic. We'll talk about that with him. Also, what green initiatives are in the infrastructure package that the Senate has passed, that the House is sitting on, that could potentially be signed by Joe Biden? We'll get into that here in just a little bit as we talk about environmentalism. Plus, we have some updates on the on COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccines. As usual, because why the heck not? But first and foremost, I think I am a victim. I truly do. So there are other radio shows in the country. Now, we're a growing program. We are killing it on the podcast. We're on numerous radio stations right now. We're continuously growing. We have our Hoosier Media Network that we are building that's coming along very, very nicely. That's going to just take this thing to a whole nother level once that's up and rolling uh, officially and fully here in hopefully the next few months. Fingers crossed. And it's going to be cool. We have a lot of stuff in the works, but I, uh, but still, there are other talk radio shows in the nation that have bigger ratings than me. Therefore, I feel that I am a victim. I feel that I am because their listeners have not been distributed to me yet to take care of my program to financially sustain my show. Therefore, I am a victim. I mean, does that make logical sense to you? You know, that's not true. You know that I don't think that way. I'm trying to make a point, but it's it's the sarcasm because this is the level of stupid that we've come to in this society when we just expect things because someone else has more than us, which is like jealousy, which you're not supposed to have, which is envy that you're not supposed to have, and the golden rules and the you know morality of the time, um, any really religion out there, you're not supposed to show envy, you're not supposed to show jealousy, you're not supposed to show uh, lust between not just you know lust between a person, but lust between something else they may have as well. You're not supposed to show those things. You're not supposed to have have those mindsets but yet here in society today if you're on food stamps then you should be a victim if you're a minority and you have less than somebody else then you're automatically a victim and and the system has suppressed you in some way shape or form but at the same time now we have even the democrats eating their own which they do very well at on the income level you know in the identity politics that they've already started to eat their own. They like to put people in certain boxes. And the certain boxes that they put people in that are supposedly just by default supposed to vote Democrat and support progressive values, they begin to eat at each other. Prime example was Starbucks. When they're like, oh, we're going to totally support like bringing on Syrian refugees and hiring them in Starbucks, which is cool and all. But at the same time, they were ones that were really focused on hiring LGBTQ members at the same time. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but people that are from the Middle East uh, that are very hardcore religious don't necessarily get along with the LGBTQ community. They started to eat themselves apart and they had to kind of back off the whole campaign. We've seen this all over time and time again with the boxes of identity politics the progressive love to use because they're the racists they are the bigots they are the closed-minded fools that can't look past someone's skin color or sexual orientation or gender identification because they literally sink to the lowest bottom level common denominator of iq level trying to debate somebody you're a racist why because your skin's white i mean that's the level that we're at right now with the left but now There's another level of them eating themselves amongst one another, which I find absolutely hysterical. According to fastcompany.com, there is a movement during this COVID-19 pandemic that's trying to advocate for billionaires who have grown their wealth over the last year because of the pandemic to give up 99% of their wealth that they've accumulated during the pandemic to help pay for health initiatives across the nation with the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's coming from, not from individuals that maybe are like you and I, that don't make a million dollars a year in any way, stretch of the imagination. I couldn't even try to stretch that to be like, oh, I come close. Yeah, no, <laughs> don't even come close to that one. Um, it's not coming from us. It's not coming from progressives that are on social programs or food stamps to just being envious of evil millionaires and billionaires. Oh no, it has now come to the point where millionaires are advocating for a tax on billionaires. Let that sink in for a second. We have millionaire people that make millions of dollars that are advocating for a 99% tax on wealth that billionaires accumulated during the pandemic. According to FastCompany.com, the group that seen the their biggest wealth skyrocket by a combined 5.5 trillion dollars since the beginning of the pandemic was the group of quote unquote billionaires. In the world and in the nation, and according to the data from Fox, or from Oxfam, from the Fight the Fight Inequality Alliance, the Institute for Policy Studies, and the Patriotic Millionaires, didn't even know there were such organizations. But all those organizations held this report, released this data showing that a combined five and a half trillion dollars worth of growth for all the billionaires in the country and around the world uh, happened, and they're advocating for a one-time tax on billionaires. To help stem the devastating health and economic impact of the pandemic and the rest of the planet and the rest of the people on the planet. This is coming from millionaires advocating for a 99% tax on billionaires. Now, to me, this takes victimization and the fact that I'm envious of you because you have more than me to an entirely new level. You are a millionaire. You make multiple millions of dollars every single year where you're supposed to be part of that one percent that we're supposed to hate. Now we're supposed to partner with you, maybe for some kind of PR stunt here, to partner to hate the ultra rich, the ultra billionaires in the world and in the country. Because you made money during the pandemic and other people lost their jobs. That's totally unfair. Therefore, you should give up ninety-nine percent of your growth. Now, I am one of those more laissez-faire, uh right-leaning, limited government capitalist type of individuals to where I do not care how much wealth that you have. I do not care how much wealth that you've accumulated throughout your lifetime, I do not care how much money you've actually made by starting businesses, by being creative, by being innovative. I have a problem with it if you use government for that benefit, but I don't have a problem if you create something that the consumer, the vast consumer around the country or around the globe actually uses. Good for you. You deserve all the money in the world. No one, in my humble opinion, no one has the right to tell you exactly what cap of the amount of money you're allowed to have. As long as you're making something innovative that people need or want, you can continue to make money. I don't care. You can be worth uh, what's above trillion, zillion, bazillion, bagillions, I don't know. You can be a zillionaire, and I wouldn't care. Now, I don't want you to, like, you know, control the entire world because of all the money that you own, but at the same time, if you have wealth, you deserve it if you've actually created something because good for you and good on you for actually making something like that happen. But a millionaire advocating for this just shows that you're a little petty because you're a little jealous that you didn't do that. Uh, let's think about how they made their $5.5 trillion combined wealth over the globe for all these billionaires in the last year. How do they do it? Was they, Were they just taking money? Were they just like not paying people? Oh, sorry, the business has struggled a little bit. We're going to let you go, and we're just going to take in $100 million a year additionally in my personal income. What did they do? Maybe they created some virtual type of Skype or Zoom or some type of virtual video conferencing system to where people could start working from home. I don't know. Maybe that's a concept. Maybe they started some type of software with like cloud services to where people could actually work from home with their systems and their computers and then save things onto the cloud so they didn't need to do it on their local computer at work. Guess what happened? They used technology to adapt to the time that was last year to give people opportunity to continue to work or do services or to run their business as need be from the comforts of their home with new technology in the 21st century. Now, if you've created something like that, because a lot of these guys I'm assuming are, you know, Microsoft or with Apple or with, uh, you know, Elon Musk with whatever he does with his cars and other technology stuff with Amazon, with actually being able to buy things from home. You see businesses all over now actually doing uh, the uh, the order. You can order your groceries online and either have them delivered to your home or have them just pick up to where you just hit the button and they load it into your back of your car for you. Somebody created those things. So I'm assuming that with the pandemic and people shutting down all of the world, needing to still communicate with the world, needing to still work from home, but needing the technology in order to do so. Somebody created that, probably somebody that was in the tech industry that already had lots of money, and they became more wealthy because they created a service that we used. Now, who here in their right mind is going to say Thanks for creating that great service that everybody uses. You shouldn't deserve the profits from that, from actually creating that, making it accessible for the uh, for the consumer and the private sector. We're going to take 99% of that away from you and put it back into the government because the government's somehow solving all the issues. Please explain to me how that works. Because to me, that doesn't make any sense. If you created the product, then you deserve it. Or else there wouldn't be any initiative to create more products. Every one of those things started in the basement or in the garage of their parents. That's what they did. I have an idea. I have a thought. I mean, even Zuckerberg and what's his face with Facebook. I mean, we don't like Facebook and what they do now. How did he start that? He literally started that in the garage of his parents. How did Microsoft start? How did Apple start? They made a movie about Apple and what the guy's name was that actually started Apple. He started it as a, a, uh, what did he have? Is like a little blue computer thing. The blue box that actually would like, you know, uh, be and they banned them because it was illegal because you could use it for a pay phone. You wouldn't have to charge because it had the right tones or something like he He started that before he started Apple. He created something from his basement. That's how companies start. That's how business works in the nation because we have a laissez-faire, free market, capitalist society, or we're supposed to. That gives everybody the opportunity to create what they want to, based on demands from the consumer in the private market. And as things adapt with technology, as things adapt with the way of lifestyles changing, as things adapt with either viruses or working at home or whatever, things change. They were on the ball. They made it happen. They profited. They deserve it. I don't care that they're worth five and a half trillion dollars more all over the world because of this if that's how they made their money but to me it's the ultimate pettiness the millionaires now angry at the billionaires and wanting a 99 percent tax on the billionaires so the millionaires get an opportunity to get caught up the hell with everybody else they're not thinking about you they're literally just thinking wow they really grew i missed the boat on that one that's not fair i want to do over can we hit the reset button please and i find it kind of funny fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at Who'sYourReason.com. Again, Who'sYourReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Helping you defend and preserve this great republic.
1: You're listening to the voice of reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a pre Friday celebration. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. You can find us on our social media with the handle at Your Reason. That's H O O S E R. Reason also on the website at who's reason.com. Almost halfway through August, just putting things into perspective for you. <laughs> so I'm getting some mixed comments on the social media. You can always leave a comment by the way on our social media: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv. We have our Instagram, our TikTok, our our freedombook.com. We have our live stream on all of those, plus the Podbean live stream as well. And of course our radio and TV. But if you want to leave a comment, you can go on the social media that way. Or email me, HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on any of the topics. But I'm getting some mixed reviews on the live stream comments right now. Some are like, you know, yeah, you know, we don't need government control. We don't need regulation. We don't need additional taxes. We really don't need the 99% tax on the wealthy because that's just ridiculous. uh, Because where does it end? The fact that it's coming. To me, it's more of the irony that it's coming from millionaires because I find that hilarious. They don't want theirs being taxed at 99%, because by golly, we're just trying to survive. But those billionaires, I tell you, they're taking it too far now. They're the ones making all the money. There's a lot of people that made some money during the pandemic based on being able to move from home and start a home business. There's people that made money from being able to adapt their business to sell things online, sell their consumer uh, uh, products online, whatever they do. There's been opportunity for people to do great things During the pandemic and others, unfortunately, have have struggled a little bit and we need to help them, which we have been with the unemployment benefits. Those probably need to go. Now, the fact that we have a labor shortage across the nation, but that's all right. That's another discussion for another time. I find it more ironic that it's coming from millionaires wanting to attack billionaires. It's literally the 1% attacking the 1% on this level because they're angry and jealous and envious, and they're more of the progressive mindset of, You're, I'm a victim because I didn't grow as much as you, so therefore we should tax you, and we're going to do it under the false flag of saying that we need to help people around the planet during the pandemic, which we already are, for crying out loud. We already are. But the Fight Inequality Alliance, the Institute for Policy Studies, and the Patriotic Millionaires all got together together, advocating for this. If a 99% tax on billionaires' pandemic wealth gains seems like a lot, Oxfam and the other groups point out that even after a one-time tax, the world's 2,690 billionaires would still see uh, would still be $55 billion richer than before the pandemic ravaged the globe. It's not that. It's not going to affect you in any way, shape, or form. You just need to turn that back over. You need to create something. You need to grow your wealth. You need to actually become successful and then give up a lot of it to the government and get, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, private business already does a lot of uh, these people. They already do a lot of initiatives. They build churches, they build schools, they build healthcare systems. They help third world countries. They try and send medicine. They try and donate water. They do a lot of stuff already. That's already part of their like monthly tithing that they already have organizations. They have nonprofits set up. They have things that already help society. What do you want them to do? Oh, that's right. You don't want them to donate it. You want to give it to the government because according to you, taxation is just a forced charity so the government can help. And you think the government's going to spend it wisely? You think that the government's going to take that $5.5 trillion and take all that away except for $55 billion and use whatever is is, let's just say $5 trillion because I'm bad at math at that level. $5 trillion. You're going to give the government $5 trillion and expect them to, to spend it wisely. How stupid can you be? The rich quote-unquote people are already probably doing way more efficient work and actually helping people out with nonprofits, with trying to get resources to people, with uh, trying to set up you know, either uh, hospitals or uh, churches or homeless shelters or doing whatever, trying to help individuals as they can already. You want to give it to the government so that way they can create a program and actually help people. I mean, if you really believe that, then I got something else to sell you too, because giving it to the government's the dumbest idea. But to them, it's all about government control. It's all about the government's gonna help. Don't worry, I'm from the government and I've here and I'm here to help. Never heard those words before. It's absolutely absurd. Gregory Wrightstone, CO2 Coalition, will be joined by him right around the break here to talk about some environmental policy in the infrastructure package and more. And these millionaires! The voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: When reason meets radio, you are listening to the voice of reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Halfway through the program already flies right on by. I don't care what any other host says. We are by far the fastest hour of radio on radio. World. The fastest growing show on radio as well. So welcome in. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Trying to cram that ten pounds of reason into that five pound bag because we're all about reason, common sense, and rationale here. I know th- those are trigger words for some. Alright. <laughs> I know, I know it. So crazy. Welcome back into the show. Let's get right into our next guest. Super excited to chat with him. What's trending today? So, and Roko, I just want to touch on the the rich people eating rich people just for because I find it hilarious. I mean, I think they're just a little bit jealous and they just uh, uh, they're mad that they lost the opportunities. He
1: took his job took no, it. It's
0: what it, seems, <laughs> it's what it seems like, the 1% eating the 1% on that one. At the same time, we have this weird race going on right now for space with all these billionaires, Elon Musk and, and uh, Jeff Bezos and the other guy that just went up there recently as well. Although I will give credit to Elon Musk because not only does he just want to go up, he wants to start civilization on Mars. Which I say kudos to him because he actually wants to do something productive. Jeff Bezos is like, oh, I was in space for 15 minutes and you guys paid for it. So uh, <laughs> that was kind of entertaining too. But at the same time, these are the same guys that have been promoting environmentalism and Green New Deal. And, you know, we got to save the earth because the earth's really bad. Uh, our next guest, super expert in this, we love having him on the program as much as we possibly can. He's with the CO2 Coalition, author of the book Inconvenient Facts, uh, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. Greg, as far as I'm aware, Going into space harms the environment a little bit, doesn't it? Shooting those those big old rockets up into space.
1: Well, you would think so, and, but you know it, what we're looking at. You know they probably emitted as much CO2 in that one trip each of them as what small African American or uh, African uh, nations emit in their entire <laughs> uh, a- annually. And and but you know what? When they were up there, both of them, they could see a lot of the planet. They didn't go in orbit but they could see what they should have recognized was the fantastic greening of the earth that's documented by NASA satellites mm. uh, and they, they should have been able to recognize that but it was their first time in space so they didn't you know they couldn't tell the difference between now and what it was 50 80 100 years ago yeah um, and we've talked about that just about every time I'm on about the many benefits of carbon dioxide and increasing carbon dioxide, greening the earth. Yeah, no, and it's amazing.
0: I love having that conversation with you because it really puts things into perspective when things actually grow and do well. And we've seen that uh, throughout time. My my problem was with traveling and then we can move on past this, but my problem with them going to space, which I don't really care. They had the money to do it. Good for you. You were able to make it happen. They want to maybe commercialize it, but uh, going up to space and making a round trip of 15 to 20 minutes to me is not space travel. You can't say that you are be able to float with anti gravity for like three minutes and come back down and be like, "Man, I'm an astronaut." Like, I just, I don't get that kind. Con- if you're gonna do it, make it like a day or two's worth or something, shouldn't you?
1: It's kind of like what rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> you know, you get a gold medal, but really, is that like? Can you equate that to the hundred yard dash? Uh, maybe, I, maybe it's just me. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that I'm opposed to rhythmic gymnastics, but uh, still. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I don't consider them astronauts for having done that.
0: It's weird. I, I just don't get it. You spend all that money, at least make it worth your time a little bit. But uh, that's that's all right. Now, here's a speculative question for you while we're on the topic with Elon Musk wanting to start civilization on Mars. I don't know if you follow the atmospheric, you know, makeup of Mars or not. But as we talk about climate change here and with CO2 that actually grows things here is it possible to try and get some oxygen, CO two, everything into the atmosphere in Mars and make things start growing there?
1: I don't think so. Hmm. I, I think it has to do with I don't. You, you'd lose it would it would dissipate uh, in into space, and I don't think the uh, the gravitational pull of Mars would be enough hmm. uh, to be there. And I so I. I know I'm I'm making stuff up as I go because you know. Okay, ninety-eight point three percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. That's right. That's uh, that's what that's what I just did. So I don't know. I don't know much at all about the planets except for our own uh, blue orb that we live on here and i'm yeah. so thankful that i do
0: yeah well amen to that i mean we're ours kind of rocks and we want to make sure that it's preserved but preserved in the right way and government obviously isn't going to be the one to solve that because now we see this infrastructure package the green new deal supposedly has gone to the wayside quote unquote they've tried to interject some of the green new deal initiatives into some of the COVID 19 relief stuff saying that well you know we can make people healthier if they stay at home in a green environmentally friendly home and don't drive their vehicles. Now we have our budget, our $3.5 trillion budget that we're proposing that has a lot of green initiatives in it. We have the infrastructure package, which is what we were concerned about, with a massive amount of Green New Deal initiatives, wanting to make federal vehicles all electric, wanting to make buses all electric, wanting to uh, put in charge electric charging stations all over the country. This is getting to be madness, and I don't see that as infrastructure, but what's your take on the no. infrastructure bill right now, uh, with the way it is?
1: Well, there's a lot of lot of it that's that's really bad. There's more to come with this 3.2 trillion. We don't know exactly what's in the 3.2. We've got an outline of it, and we can talk a little bit about that. But in this, in in the so-called infrastructure bill, it looks. I've heard different numbers thrown around. It Looks like there's out of the 1.2 trillion, there might be 110 billion. That's 10 percent of the bill that actually goes to it you and I and your listeners would consider to be infrastructure, that'd be roads, bridges, and the like. There's almost as much spent to solve the non-existent climate crisis problem. Um, So I would call that, I would say that, you know, if we spent one, since there is no climate emergency, I would say that, um, you know, if we spent one penny, it'd be one penny too much.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, outside of the electric stuff, what else do they want to do? Or what else do they think is going to actually help?
1: Oh, well, one of the things they want to do is is convert. They said, well, now that we're going to electric, uh, the people need to be responsible for paying their fair share of road fees and things. They're going to go, their proposal is to go to a mileage-based, they don't call it a tax, they call it a fee, because if they called it a tax, the Republicans said we're not going to vote for anything that has a tax increase. Yeah. So they're calling it a fee, but it is a tax. And what they said is, well, when we impose this, we'll get rid of the gasoline tax. Well, uh, name one tax that's ever gone away. Exactly. I mean, I, I just moved from Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, to Florida, the Sunshine State. Thankfully. And in Pennsylvania, they have this thing, on if you buy liquor, it's called the Johnstown Flood Tax. It was supposed to last for five years, so here we are, almost 100 years later, and they still have the Johnstown Flood Tax. So if you go buy a bottle of hooch at the, at the liquor store, you're paying that Johnstown Flood Tax. Yeah, these things, once they're, once they're in place – and our, uh, I was, our people have looked at this proposed mileage tax – they don't have all the, it's not all the flesh and bones are on it, but it looks, our people are telling me that it might be as much as seven times as expensive as the gasoline fee on a per mile basis. Wow. Um, that's what they do. They want to just, they, they, they want more money. Well, and of of course, they're not
0: going to – I mean, how do you regulate something like that? You're still going to have people that can't afford electric vehicles that aren't just going to randomly upgrade. You know, I'm still driving a 1990s car right now sort of thing that doesn't even have a whole lot of computers in it. And if that's what a lot of people are still doing – yeah, they're not going to get rid of a gas tax to, t- to even think or conceive the idea that they're going to get rid of a tax as laughable. And if they would, just theoretically, then people would go back to gas because it would be cheaper than getting an electric car and then paying the fees. So, I mean, good luck trying to regulate that type of move, but it, it, it's stupid. I just talk- I, I don't get it.
1: Well, they're talking about looking that you'd have to go to visit your local qualified uh, whatever station it would be that would look at your odometer and they would, you would have so you're going under the thumb, uh, again, more government control, more government regulations. They, they want to control every aspect of your life from, uh, how cool you can keep your home in the summer, uh, how hot you can heat it in the winter, what kind of car you can drive, how you heat your home. I, I'm not sure about your area. If they, if there's I would imagine there's a lot of natural gas, uh, yeah. heating there. And that's, that's going to be verboten at some point in the future. According to Joe Biden, uh, he, he's, he's signed an executive order last week, uh, mandating or trying to mandate that by 2030, 50% of all cars will be, uh, electric. Well, I'm, I'll I'm, tell you what, one thing I'm working on right now that has me scared to death, and I haven't heard anybody talking about it, writing a commentary right now on the, Fire dangers of electric vehicles. These things, these lithium-ion batteries, they spontaneously combust. Not very often. It's a very rare event, but it happens. And and we see that when that happens, there have been instances of this happening in garages. When that when these things combust, you can't put them out. They right. just let them burn out. It might take a day or day and a half or two days for these to burn out. <laughs> and what happens? There were two instances recently, in both in China and in Germany, where electric buses were parked for the night and charging and combusted. And the one bus, it was a chain reaction, caught the next bus on fire. And the entire, in both Germany and China, the entire uh, bus parking garage uh, was completely consumed in flames and destroyed. What happens? I ask you this: What happens when? And, and I'll tell you. In Bavaria, there are two cities that have banned. Electric vehicles inside any parking garages, sure. probably for a good reason. What what's going to happen when an electric vehicle that's in an underground parking garage under a uh, an apartment building or a business? What what happens when this occurs? Yeah, my God, you, you, there's, how do you put it out? It, it's, I mean, it's. It, it's unfortunate, uh, that, it, it, well,
0: it's unfortunate that we're forcing the private market to go towards something that it's not prepared to do yet. When the when the technology is there to make it efficient, to make it cost-effective and large enough and available safe. for the consumers and safe, then we're going to go to that naturally because that's just what we do, but we're not there quite yet. We've got to take a break here real quick. Gregory inconvenient inconvenientfacts.xyz is the website for his book. Check that out. Also, the CO2 Coalition. You can find them, co2coalition.org. When we come back, I want to talk some more about this, where we go from here. Uh, The natural gas thing as well. The energy and utilities that we're trying to continuously take over at the federal level. And uh, some more stuff as we talk about the green initiatives coming out of Washington, D.C. It's The Voice of Reason. It's a brief Friday celebration. Stay here.
1: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time.
1: You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back
0: in last few minutes of the program. It goes by way too fast here on The Voice of Reason. Make sure to download the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites on TuneIn, Google Play, Amazon Music, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio. It doesn't matter. You can find it on all those and a heck of a lot more. Also you can find us on our social media at Who's your Reason is the handle on all of the social media and the website at reason.com. Gregory Wrightstone hanging out with us here for another segment for a few more minutes. CO2coalition.org is the website you can find him on, plus his personal book, The Hero Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. You can find that inconvenientfacts.xyz. convenientfacts.xyz. Greg, let's talk about some other initiative. I'm assuming that after the extreme cold front that hit back in like February, which I loved, honestly. It was negative 20 degrees here in the Wichita area for a lot of those days. I went outside and did my, you know, cold exposure and and meditation and breath work, and so I loved it. I love the cold. I <laughs> I never liked cold before, but I really enjoyed that for some reason. It was kind of a nice wake-up call in the morning. I'm assuming. That because of all the uh, massive increase in prices for natural gas and how the utility companies struggled to keep up during that time, is there still a push going on of trying to centralize more control with utilities and and trying to cut people off? And as you mentioned before, about what you can do and what you're allowed to do and, and capping you off at certain things because of environmentalism. I'm assuming there's a push of you can only set your thermostat at certain degrees. You can only use so much heat. You can only use so much water. I heard in California they tried to put a timer on people's showers to only take a five-minute shower sort of thing to conserve water. Is this still a movement they're trying behind the scenes?
1: Well, I think what they're they're looking at it rather than saying that you have to do this. I think what they're trying – well, I don't think. I know what they're trying to do is increase the cost of the energy that's used to make it so expensive that it becomes economically attractive for you to go drive that electric vehicle because now your, your gasoline or your diesel or eight or nine or $10 a gallon. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the, with natural gas, the electricity that's generated will be, uh, subsidized the, the wind and the solar already are significantly subsidized and there'll be penalties placed on, uh on the electricity generated from coal and natural gas. That's just, it is happening right now. Coal-fired plants are just being uh, shuttered because they can't compete, not because wind and solar are more economic, but because of the incentives and the penalties that are imposed on coal and natural gas. There's, uh, Again, I I just moved from Pennsylvania. There are three coal-fired plants that are shutting down. They're not being forced to shut down, but they can't wind and solar get an advantage in getting their their energy bought and they it's it's not a level playing field
0: no well, it should not. be. It's a, it's a level of crony capitalism that just makes me sick to the bottom of my stomach just thinking about how they manipulate the market this much for their own personal benefit because to me I thought something like that was illegal to try and uh, 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 try to inflate certain prices of certain products to force you to go to other products. I, I, I thought that was illegal but apparently not.
1: No, it's not, and uh, unless it's their, as long as it's their favorite uh, program or widget or electricity, then that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but if you if you do that for whatever for anything, it's not their favorite, you you probably end up in the in the who's But yeah. uh, it, there, I mean, we just bought this again uh, in Pennsylvania. They were trying, and it, it'll be coming to a state near you and a city near you in imposition of this uh, carbon tax tax and and, and, and what I call tax and spend scheme yeah. uh, that it's, it's intentionally designed and Joe Biden's intentionally designing his plan to increase energy costs for everybody in America. And what's crazy, once again, yesterday, you just want to bash your headache, bump, bump your head against the wall. After stifling energy production and oil production in the United States, in the Gulf of Mexico, in Alaska, on federal lands, trying to ban fracking, He's he's trying to stifle oil production. He once again asked the Saudis and the OPEC to open up the spigots to produce more oil. Why don't we produce more oil? Oil here, Greg Abbott uh, earlier today. He said, "You want to produce more oil? Just get out of our way. We'll do it." And and that's what American ingenuity and and the oil oil companies in America want. They said, "Just a level playing field." Uh, get out of our way. Let us produce the oil. Let well, us we were doing it. I
0: mean, we were uh, yeah. we were energy independent under Trump less than a year ago, and all of a sudden now we're not, and now we need to reopen these things after he shut them down within the last six to eight months. It, it makes your brain hurt because they go back and forth so badly, Gregory. Right. So I could talk to you for hours. I love having you on the program. I love talking about this topic and how we move forward. Uh, inconvenientfacts.xyz is the website for him, CO2 Coalition as well. Greg, let's do this again real soon. You got it. Thanks. Always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. We'll do it again real soon here. Until then, podcast going up in just a little bit. Back at it tomorrow to wrap up this week. We're going to have a lot more fun then and all next week as well. Don't miss a single thing. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Think about things logically. Bring some common sense into the conversation. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram,